everyone. Welcome back to Enjoy the Book of Life. Today we're here with another People, Places, Things episode, and the city in view is Joppa. Where is Joppa? Uh, Joppa is on the Israeli coast, the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. It's about uh, 60 miles south of Haifa, so if you're looking at a map, you'll see one big bump on the coast. That's where the Carmel Mountains jut into the Mediterranean. And so 60 miles south of that is the city of Joppa. So Joppa is about 40 miles north, mostly uh, west of uh, the city of Jerusalem. And it sits where the Yarkon River um, flows into the Mediterranean, draining the region to the, the west of Jerusalem, the highlands west of Jerusalem. So why would we be examining the city of Joppa? Well, um, Joppa was the only seacoast in ancient uh, seaport in ancient mm. Israel. Uh, later on in the New Testament, Herod found that up near Caesarea, which is about forty miles north of Joppa, there were huge stone plates that went out into the sea, and he was able to build a big breakwater there, and so they formed a an artificial harbor at Caesarea mm. by the sea. And then later on, at the time of the First World War, the British then built their harbor another 20 miles north at Haifa. And that's where the uh, U.S. Uh, uh, Navy uh, has its home in the Mediterranean there mm. at Haifa. So um, th this was the, the old uh, seaport, not really any harbor there per se, but really until uh, almost the time of the First World War, that's where people unloaded when they were coming to Israel. And uh, so... Uh, Today, the major city of Tel Aviv has really taken over the region, and Joppa is like a, uh, an art, artsy neighborhood uh, on the outskirts of the city of, of Tel Aviv. Hmm. But uh, Joppa, uh, because it was the impinge point between the Jews who were not travelers, but they were traders, and the Gentile nations, the Mediterranean is a picture of the, the the nations, right? The Mediterranean means in the middle of the land. Mm. And, of course, all of the ancient civilizations, the Romans, the Greek, the Egyptians, and so on, the Minoans, the Cretes, they were all Cretans. They were all in that region. And so the Gentiles who would come and trade with the Israelis would do it here at, at Haifa. Now, how often... Oh, pardon me, at, at Joppa. At Joppa, yeah. Uh, how often do we see Joppa if we were to go all through the Bible? One of the ones that we've looked at already is Bethlehem, which everyone knows the city of Bethlehem because that's where the Lord Jesus uh, came into the world. Um, but then we did Afek, which is a much rarer place. So when we're looking at Joppa, how often are we going to see it? through the biblical narrative. You're not going to see it that often, but where you see it, it's going to be a, a page turner. It's going to mm. be a significant point in in the history of, of especially of evangelism. Okay. This, is a, this is a big deal. Okay. Um, so what are those big, big points? Well, um, the word Jaffa is actually more like Yafo, and uh, that's what it's called today, Yafo, which means beautiful. Hmm. And the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news from a far country. And so um, not only uh, were the nations coming to Israel at that point, but God would call his servants to leave Israel 
and to take the message to the Gentiles. But the Jews were always very reluctant missionaries. Their notion was that God was sort of their private God mm. and that he wasn't for the nations. And so this was going to be a pressure point in, in the stories that we read. So we have uh, basically two big uh, narratives, uh, one with the story of Jonah in the Old Testament and then the other with the story of the son of Jonah, Peter, Simon Peter, the son of Jonah. Of course, no, no relation but but those two stories are going to take us to to Joppa. Mm. There there's a verse in the Old Testament and a verse that the quotation of that by the Lord Jesus in the New Testament that really sort of puts the the roof over the whole thing. Um, you remember how uh, God brought His people into the land and Joshua was allowed to give them their tribal divisions. And the tribe of Dan was given this region where the city of Joppa was. And uh, Dan should have been the nation that were the evangelists. In other words, the people coming to Joppa, they would meet the Danites. Mm. Uh, Dan, however, was a big disappointment. Uh, they Most of them left that region. They said, we don't like what God's given us. And they went way up north under the shadow of Mount Hermon. They took over a city there, renamed it Dan. It was called Laish originally. And they and they uh, moved so far from Jerusalem. They were just around the corner. Yeah. When, you, when you fly into Ludd Airport, you're flying right into essentially to Joppa. Mm. And, and so the main road that goes from the modern international airport to Jerusalem runs right up this valley, right where the city of Joppa is. So they were really one of the shortest distances to Jerusalem. But they got so far away that they ended up introducing idolatry. And we know some of the stories about the Danites, the, the, the grisly story in the book of Judges, mm -hmm. and um, how they stole uh, the local preacher and so on, and how they set up a golden calf there. And, uh, of course, the Danites weren't much better down in the other region. The only person who has any note in, in among the Danites, really, is is the story of uh, a man who um, stood alone. His his own tribe tried to sell Samson to the enemy, yeah. and and he has a very spotted history. And yet he's listed as one of the men in the faith chapter. He stood out at least in this measure that he was willing to stand up for God mm -hmm. in the midst of what seems to be terrible declension. So. Um, the the Lord didn't give up on this idea. Even though Jonah was reluctant, not willing to take the message to Nineveh and went down to Joppa to try and escape, to take an early retirement, you know, <laughs> even so, uh, the Lord never gave up on his grand objective. So in Isaiah 56, I think, uh, the Lord says, I will make this temple a house of prayer for all nations. Mm. And that's the word the Lord Jesus quotes in Mark 11 when he says, um, isn't it written, uh, my house is a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves and robbers. Hmm. So, so God's intention never was simply to be Israel's private God, but to use them as a kind of magnet to draw others to himself. And when they seemed reluctant to do that, God said, well then, I'll build 
the most magnificent building extant in the world at that time. And -hmm. it will draw people not to an idol, but to me. It was such a strange temple to have in the world where it seemed empty, right? There was no idol there. You could go to Ephesus and see the idol of their goddess. But here, it seemed to be an empty room where in reality, God was spirit. And those who sought him could worship him in spirit and truth. And so you have the stories of the Queen of Sheba. You have Cornelius. You have the Ethiopian eunuch. These are people who who rejected the uh, the paganism of their own culture and who sought out the true God among the Jewish people. And even in the building of the temple, it includes the city of Joppa. It includes right? the city of Joppa and it includes the tribe of Dan. Okay. Right. So... Um, we read that um, when Solomon was a building, uh, mm-hmm. he used uh, Jewish stones, if you will, stones yeah. from Israel and Gentile timbers. The timbers came from uh, Tyre and Sidon up up the coast and they floated them down in rafts. And then the men of Dan were called on to pull these massive cedar timbers up the Yarkon River up to the city of Jerusalem. And the man who oversaw the construction was half Jewish and half Gentile. Mm. And his mother was from the tribe of Dan. And so here God was giving us a little picture of the great idea. And that is that out of every nation, he would build for himself his own temple, not made of marble uh, and and cedar wood, but but made of real human beings, uh, living stones. Mm -hmm. So we have... Uh, all of these ideas kind of moving together, this reluctance on the part of the Jewish people, and then this overriding longing on the heart of God to reach out to all the nations. And uh, so Jonah, of course, eventually reluctantly goes, and the Lord spares the city of Nineveh, one of the great uh, uh, rescue operations in the Old Testament. Who could imagine a whole city from the king on the throne to the beggar in the streets turning to the Lord. Well, it doesn't seem they've learned very much as time goes by because when the Lord is about to send Peter to the Gentiles, Peter is as reluctant as Jonah was. He comes home one evening. The ladies don't have supper quite ready. He goes up to the rooftop to pray. And as he's praying, the Lord reveals to him this scene, this massive tarpaulin that comes down out of heaven full of animals and uh, the problem is though Peter's hungry that in this mixture of animals there are those that are ceremonially clean and unclean and the Lord says rise Peter kill and eat and Peter says not so I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean referring to the kosher laws Mm -hmm. and the Lord says uh, don't you call anything that I give you common or unclean and so at this point then after three tries, uh, Peter eventually gets the message. And just then, I don't say it's the doorbell rings, but there's a knock at the door. And here are these men who've come from the house of Cornelius. And uh, Peter goes with them. And as he steps in through the door, it dawns on him. This is the message that God was giving me at Joppa. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Again, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring these good news, this good news. And so Peter proclaims the gospel, and not only Cornelius, but all his household responds in yeah. faith. Yeah, and you see the, the transition in 
Peter's attitude that we don't see in Jonah's, right? So Jonah delivers the message after uh, being uh, convinced to do so. Uh, But then afterwards he goes and he waits for God to zap them up on the hillside. Whereas then Peter then goes to his brethren and convinces them. Right. Um, Now, is there other, because it feels like there's a dramatic shift you, you mentioned um, the Queen of Sheba and even the Ethiopian eunuch, how they were drawn to this temple, this this abnormal right. temple for that day. But then now we see, uh, now Jonah, he was told to go uh, to the nation of Nineveh. Right. But we have the, the Great Commission right. to go out into the whole world. And, and you mentioned about uh, how beautiful are the feet of those from a far country. Right, right. Take the good news. Yeah, so there are two verses that I would think of. And, and at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, he goes in and he purges the temple. And he says, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. But at the end of his ministry, he once again makes one final trip to the temple. And there he says, I will leave your house desolate. Mm. And so at this point, it seems that God has completely withdrawn from that. And the Lord Jesus, in his Olivet Discourse, explains not one stone would be left on another. But then he was going to start a new building project, mm. and this time it was going to be out of living stones. And, of course, it's Peter who takes up that theme, who gets the point, yeah. and who describes the foundation stone and how we are living stones built on this new temple uh, foundation. Yeah. yeah, so a, a temple that can go to the people instead right. of... Having the people come to it. That's it, that's it, with beautiful feet, exactly. Now there is one dear lady who lives in Joppa who uh, defies this stereotype of reluctant Judaism to take the gospel beyond the walls of their own nation. Um, And both her Hebrew and her Gentile names are given, Tabitha and Dorcas. Hmm. And uh, she lived there and evidently... Both her names are given because she interacted with both mm. the Jews and the Gentiles in that city. And she was renowned for her good works. And when she died, uh, Peter came and by the power of God, she was raised up. And um, a, a, an awakening broke through the whole region all, all along the coast there. And uh, it seems that hundreds were turned to the Lord. So here was a woman who was living Christ in that community and obviously uh, going beyond the national barriers, uh, reaching out to the Gentiles as well. And she was well-loved. The evidence was there. They, they gathered all of these things that she had made for the poor as if to say there, there's clear evidence of the, of the true Christianity expressed by this dear woman. Yeah, and almost uh, instead of the hero of Samson, Right, you have Tabitha, and uh, how many came through? Not just her death, but her life. Right, yeah, he yeah, he, yeah. Con- he killed more in his death, but yeah, you know, you get to see life come from her uh, resurrection. New resurrection come from her resurrection instead of death from death. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very interesting town, even to this day. A little winding; it's been restored. Little winding paths, the the old construction. Uh, bits of the old seaport can still be seen there and uh, they say the house of Simon the Tanner 
that's fairly unlikely, but um, <laughs> they suggest there. But uh, certainly the Yarkon River and the, the region there, the Plains of Sharon, uh, are still a, a very beautiful sight uh, to this day. And mm -hmm. uh, we stand and look across the Mediterranean and we remember that the gospel was initiated in this little country mm. and then how it came out from this country until it spread through the whole world and came to places like Starkville, Mississippi. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you'd say a must-see if you go to the land? It certainly is. It yeah. certainly is. And, and especially if you can recall these stories linked together, uh, the message of Jonah going in to preach and then Peter and how... God's longing has always been mm -hmm. uh, a house of prayer for all nations. And, of course, Isaiah 56 is actually looking forward to the end of the tribulation period and the beginning of the millennium when God will bring the Jewish people back and with them he will bring multitudes of Gentiles mm. who will also come at that time. And that there will be a renewed temple, and that temple certainly will be a house of prayer for all nations. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. It will be the, the salvation center, the glory center, the administration center of, uh, of the whole world. Well, good. Very good. Thank you so much.